Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. Good evening and welcome to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Tonight in this hour-long Love the Words, we have three features. We have, first of all, the long-awaited, much-anticipated Found Fiction podcast presented by Steve Clarkson. Then, a repeat of one of my favourite pieces from Writing on Air, few years ago now, probably 2018, Anzir Boudou reading Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market. And then thirdly, we have Radio Free Kinsley with Jimmy Andrex and Pasha Taylor. I hope you enjoy it and stay tuned for the Irish Music Programme at 6.30. <laughs> I'm Steve Clarkson and welcome to Look Closer, the found fiction podcast. If you'd said to me six months ago that we'd be starting a podcast series this summer, I'd have probably said something like, well, how are we going to fit that in? Because we had a super busy year planned and it was busy primarily with events. So a mixture of workshops and festivals where we were doing everything from helping people write poetry to hiring out some of our creative installations. And we were pretty much back-to-back with events from March right up until the end of August. And obviously all that was quite unavoidably cancelled due to the complete carnage of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I'm a big believer in things happening for you rather than to you, because in every challenge there's an opportunity, right? An opportunity to learn new skills, to deliver new types of events and connect with new people and new organisations. And that brings us to Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast, which is a new way that we're going to carry out our mission. And that mission is to empower people with the creative vision to find inspiration wherever they are. So as part of Look Closer, the main segment is a pre-recorded search for inspiration. And I mean that literally Every edition, a special guest and I are going to go out into the wild on a creative adventure around a public space to find material that we can use to create stories, to create poems and to create songs. Because whether it's an old lady waiting alone at a bus stop, a couple of raindrops racing each other down a window, or a tree growing through a barbed wire fence, inspiration and stories are waiting to be found all around us. So as we're going out to find our inspiration out there in a public space, we'll discuss our creative processes, habits and learnings along the way, and eventually we'll end up with a bank of ideas captured from the real world, reminding us that ordinary places are fertile ground for creative ideas. Our first guest is spoken word performer and dance artist Izzy Britton, And we went on a journey around Woodhouse in Leeds to look closer for inspiration in her area. So do you want to tell us a bit about where we are today? Hello everyone. So here we are in Woodhouse in Leeds, not far from the university. We've got the beautiful ridge behind us. We're sort of sandwiched between Hyde Park, Meanwood and Chapeltown and the city's just in that direction. Um, yes, welcome. Okay. Welcome to our backyard. Look. Is this somewhere that you write or is it just somewhere that do you live or do you kind of seek in inspiration here or do you just kind of bury yourself in your room? <laughs> so I've lived here for about three and a half years and it's actually a really wonderful community and this little back alley, there's loads of lovely people and there's always lots of interesting stuff going on. Really just a diverse range of people. Uh-huh. There's students and there's locals and there's, yeah, 
a bit of everything goes on around here. So it's it's really nice. It's a lovely and inspiring place to be. The sort of communality that is promoted by having the backyards backing onto each other. Sure, it's quite stimulating. Creatively. Which has been amazing in the lockdown. Uh-huh. I bet actually. Yeah. yeah. Did did you say people kind of came out of their houses and you've been chatting? Like, it was a dance thing that you shared. Yeah, so we did um, we did a little Easter dance to uh, like a prayer. Okay. Um, we my housemate had been learning some voguing, so I don't know if you know what voguing is, but you know all of this kind of stuff. What? what? <laughs> um, that's my rubbish impression. <laughs> but yeah, it was here, and there was all five of our housemates up here. Well, six actually, because we had a a handover between old housemate and new housemate and they were both oh, here for two weeks wow and we uh, performed our little dance up there in the street yeah That's... it's on youtube so as we were walking down the back lane behind izzy's house it was immediately clear how social and friendly the neighborhood was each person's backyard overlooked the next and you could tell that that wasn't an invasion of privacy instead it brought people together this is something I saw a little earlier. I don't know if someone's been doing some DIY. <laughs> Just, yeah, there's something like poetic maybe about things that have been separated from a pair. So hopefully that picks out. Just put this one marigold there. I mean, you, you sign can, of the times. You can easily, yeah, make that maybe a somewhat cliched symbol of, of someone separating from someone else. Yeah. And the fact that it's used to, to sort of clean, some sort of kind of cleansing thing as you do separate from someone else. Like there's sort of ways you could weave in a discarded marigold. Absolutely. Just one discarded marigold. There's plenty of, plenty of avenues you can go down. Yeah. This is a park that kind of overlooks the city c- cityscape in the background, the skyline. Um, is that the Parkinson building in Headingley at the uni? I can see, and Leeds's buildings are full of stories of their own, really, are they? And this is a pretty, I'm pretty sure you'd get a really good view out here, like on an evening. I mean, do you come out here to, to walk or to write? Or? Yeah, I actually come out here a lot. So it's really wonderful to have this, even though it's only small, this green space right at the end of my road where I can come and just sort of feel above it, even though we're only, we're not so high here. It is kind of a high point across the city. And you can get a bit of perspective. So if my head's a bit fuzzy or I'm not feeling so clear or looking for a bit of space and inspiration, I often come yeah. and sit here. It's really, really lovely to see the cityscape at night with all the lights. Um, there was actually a few weeks ago, there was, a beautiful big moon it was the full moon the strawberry moon a couple of weeks back um and it was kind of yeah it was just huge hanging like a big globe over there and i sat out here for a couple of hours and looking across the city there was lots of purple going on so oh, yeah, yeah p- purple as the color of solidarity uh, right. with the george death of george floyd and the mm. black lives matter yeah movement um so i saw quite a lot of purple lights up across the city in combination with this strawberry moon it's pretty pretty beautiful and really got me thinking i listened to a few podcasts and um, mm-hmm. been doing a bit of educating myself recently yeah yeah which is also think, yeah. yeah yeah much, much needed yeah just walking past the park here i always find like play parks quite evocative as well like the fact that it's the same kind of colors that you remember when you were a kid like bright yellows and reds and greens and things this one's particularly bonkers they've just redone it recently yeah it looks pretty new for quite a long time yeah this in fact it still is isn't it the little sign i mean a playground where no one's playing like all that energy that's not happening i mean the sort of giddy kids and hurried footsteps that you usually hear and see in a playground it's kind of what makes it what it is places like that are are defined by the energy 
that they're made for rather than just the structures there. It's, there's something quite kind of sad about a playground without any energy. Anyway, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's really interesting that during this time, so you can also sort of look at what's not there, but think about how much people have been inspired to sort of create their own fun and mm. inside, in their own homes, in the great indoors, or yeah. in green spaces and more wild spaces that they might not normally spend as much time in. So sort of using their environment in different ways and and interacting with that with that environment without sort of just in different mm. ways without mm. these structures actually mm. using their imaginations more really uh -huh. there's been a lot of that you're looking at these colors yeah i was kind of looking at you know like when you see i'm not sure it's happening here but kind of is you know when like nature takes stuff back the cracks and you know, you see, you see what looks like quite a weak little twig breaking through bricks and stones that that we couldn't, you know, stuff that we couldn't do with our own hands yeah. that trees are doing. And it's like a symbol of I don't know resilience. And you see this all the time in like old buildings where there's like actual trees kind of growing out of of doorways from the inside to the outside, like through you know multiple levels of stone and things and and then even like staining the concrete floor as well like with the colors of the petals and it's it's kind of like strength isn't it strength of nature which has been of course blossoming during this time not only did the pandemic yeah. somehow coordinate with spring springing yeah and but all the birds singing um but yeah you've seen that with just like the behavior of the animals even more, more confident, more confident, around, you know. So, what is your process for writing? Do you kind of take a notepad out with you, or do you write on your phone, like when, so that when inspiration strikes, you're ready to capture it? Or I write a lot of notes on my on my phone. Yeah. Um, and I've recently got a new app where you can leave yourself voice notes as well. So I'm trying to remember that that exists uh, yeah, and yeah. start using it. Um, a bit more mm -hmm. and then it all tends to go into get smashed into a chaotic notebook um, which eventually at some point comes out as yeah. something um, and it can take anything from you know come out in one day to yeah. lines that I wrote five or ten years ago yeah. coming back there's something poetic about the characters that never quite make it. Yeah, yeah. I feel so guilty about characters I leave behind. Because when you're writing, these characters are really in charge of things. They call the shots on guiding the narrative when you're writing a story. But you know, not everything's destined to become something complete. And I always imagine that these characters are imprisoned in various Word documents on an old hard drive. And that kind of led Izzy and I to chat more about how we got into writing and what we're really in it for. So I really came back to the arts and creativity. When I was a little bit older, it was like full circle. I was into it all when I was a little kid, like most people are. And then a lot of the time you kind of get funneled into academia or think you have yeah. to, you know, forget this imaginary world. So it took me a while to come back to it. Uh, and yeah, so I'm a dance artist and spoken word artist. And I also teach yoga. So it's really a whole yeah. a whole thing, three separate, three separate practices, but they all tie together in that the fundamental basis of it for me is that everyone is creative and that creativity should be for everyone. Um, living a creative and empowered life is our birthright as human beings, I believe. Um, so I really am passionate about access and inclusion. And I do a lot of work with older people and people with dementia and Parkinson's as well. And I'm sort of challenging structures in a way, I guess. 
um, challenging structures that position certain people as other and trying to bring bring those threads back together create community uh, i see my art forms as a way to resist and reimagine and also to sort of practice communality and collective care yeah. and joy sometimes when i've been running work workshops you get kids who just start writing immediately um and they don't need any prompting and then the parents are ones that kind of are like oh i'm not creative i used to write but i don't do it anymore but then five minutes later you've managed to encourage them to get creative as well and sometimes they can be relearning that through their kids sometimes i imagine a lot of people like me have been getting to know the green spaces near them in a to a different degree a different level during this time and yeah. there's been a lot of like that um chalking the names of trees on the floor and stuff like that oh, going yeah. on so it's kind of like a really lovely little bit of gentle delicate activism in a way yeah. sort of helping people to get to know their environment more so i don't i don't know all the trees but i'm slowly learning and each one's got its own character you know look oh wow yeah there's a bit of action there <laughs> That was action. <laughs> oh yeah. I think we're trying to one's chasing the other. Maybe. Yeah, that's a high speed chase. A high speed squirrel chase, we've seen. I think yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people have gotten very familiar and intimate with their neighbourhood because the one walk a day is something that we're not going to forget anytime soon. And obviously that was a massive relief when it was when it was uh, lifted, but. You know, usually you do the same walk, wouldn't you, or the same run or whatever. And, and it you, expands the senses, you know. Yeah, you it makes you engage with your surroundings. Little characteristics, like you'd usually think all trees look the same, but obviously you look look closer and you see like the bark splitting and what that might mean, like shedding a new skin, like the potential for renewal, even if you're like hundreds of years old in this case. Do you remember, do you remember like a particular poem that you might have written specifically about something you came across in Nate? Hello. <laughs> um, I guess the ones that I've just recently written. Um, yeah, if this pandemic is a portal, let it bring us something other than an ample supply of toilet roll. <laughs> in this time of deep grief, lost breath, and the hunt for eggs. I want not more, but less. So just before we wrap up our first edition of Look Closer, the found fiction podcast, I've got a few events to tell you about. The first one is called Street Stories, and that's a street literature project which celebrates Quarry Hill voices past, present, and future. As part of Street Stories, I'm coordinating a team of Leeds writers who are each going to be writing super short micro stories that are going to be displayed guerrilla style in public places, abandoned areas and prominent venues across Quarry Hill. The stories are going to take the form of vinyl stickers, wraparound banners, even chalk paint murals among other forms and they're going to aim to be inspiring and reflective and attention grabbing for passers-by. So we're super excited about that. We're just creating the content at the moment and this whole project is being funded by Leeds City College Arts Fund um, and we're super grateful for them for the support that they're giving us as creative practitioners in the current time. The second event we really need to tell you about is It's Proper Art. So you might remember this from December last year when we transformed Leeds City Centre into an art gallery by writing faux art gallery descriptions of real places across town and displaying them on huge billboards in these public places. Essentially we're doing this again but this time in London uh, which is super exciting. It's due to go live in October as part of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. 
Alongside these two events, we're delivering a lot of virtual workshops, including for York Festival of Ideas, uh, Bruntwood, and the Old Bank Residency in Manchester. So expect to see us cropping up on Zoom for the foreseeable future. And that's about it for this first edition of Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. To find out more about what we do, visit foundfiction.org or find us on social media. That's about all we've got time for today. Thank you again to our special guest, Izzy Britton. And thank you for listening. See you next time on Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. Love the commas. Love the apostrophes. Love the colons and the question marks. Love the words from East Leeds FM. No, no, little. No l'età per amarti, no no l'età per uscire. Uh, this is Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti. Morning and evening maids heard the goblins cry, Come buy our orchard fruits, come buy, come buy! Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plum pump pet cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom down cheek peaches, swart headed mulberries, wild free born cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricots, strawberries, all ripe together in summer weather. Morns that pass by, fair eaves that fly. Come by, come by, our grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bullaces, rare pears and green gauges, damsons and bilberries, taste them and try. Currants and gooseberries, bright firelight barberries, figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, sweet to tongue and sound to eye, come by, come by. Evening by evening among the brookside rushes, Laura bowed her head to hear Lizzie veiled her blushes, crouching close together in the cooling weather, with clasping arms and cautioning lips, with tingling cheeks and fingertips. Lie close, Laura said, pricking up her golden head. We must not look at goblin men, we must not buy their fruits. Who knows upon what soil they fed their hungry, thirsty roots. Come by, called the goblins, hobbling down the glen. Oh, cried Lizzie, Laura, Laura, you should not peep at goblin man. Lizzie covered up her eyes, covered close lest they should look. Laura reared her glossy head and whispered like the restless brook. Look, Lizzie, look, Lizzie, down the glen tramp, little man. One holds a basket, one bears a plate, one lugs a golden dish of many pounds weight. How fair the vine must grow, whose grapes are so luscious. How warm the wind must blow through those fruit bushes. No, said Lizzie, no, no, no. Their offers should not charm us, their evil gifts will harm us. She thrust a dimpled finger in each ear, shut eyes and ran. Curious Laura chose to linger, wondering at each merchant man. One had a cat's face, one whisked a tail, one tramped at a rat's pace, one crawled like a snail, one like a wombat, proud, obtuse and furry, one like a rattle, tumbled, hurry, scurry. She heard a voice like voice of doves cooing all together. They sounded kind and full of loves in the pleasant weather. Laura stretched her gleaming neck, like a rush-embedded swan, like a lily from the beck, like a moonlit poplar branch, like a vessel at the launch when its last restraint is gone. Backwards up the mossy glen turned and trooped the goblin men with their shrill repeated cry, Come by, come by! When they reached where Laura was, they stood stock still upon the moss, leering at each other, brother with queer brother, signalling each other, Brother with sly brother, one set his basket down, one reared his plate, one began to weave a crown of tendrils, leaves and rough nuts brown, men sell not such in any town. One heaved the golden weight of dish and fruit to offer her, come by, come by, was still their cry. Laura stared but did not stir, longed but had no money, the wist-held merchant bade her taste in tones as smooth as honey. The cat face purred, the rat pace spoke a word of welcome, and even the snail pace was heard. One parrot voiced and jolly cried, Pretty goblin! Still for pretty Polly, one whistled like a bird. But Sweet Tooth Laura spoke in haste, Good folk, I have no coin to take with a purloin. I have no copper in my purse, I have no silver either, and all my gold is on the furze that shakes in windy weather above the rusty heather. You have much gold upon your head! They answered all together. Buy from us with a golden curl! 
She clipped a precious golden lock. She dropped a tear more rare than pearl, then sucked their fruit globes fair or red, sweeter than honey from the rock, stronger than man rejoicing wine, clearer than water flowed that juice. She never tasted such before. How should it cloy with length of use? She sucked and sucked and sucked the more fruits which that unknown orchard bore she sucked until her lips were sore then flung the emptied rinds away but gathered up one kernel stone and knew not was it night or day as she turned home alone Lizzie met her at the gate, full of wise upbraidings. Dear, you should not stay so late. Twilight is not good for maidens. Should not loiter in the glen, in the haunts of goblin men. Do you not remember Jeanie? How she met them in the moonlight, took their gifts, both choice and many, ate their fruits and wore their flowers, plucked from bowers where summer ripens at all hours. But ever in the moonlight, she pined and pined away, sought them by night and day, found them no more, but dwindled and grew grey then fell with the first snow. While to this day no grass will grow where she lies low, I planted daisies there a year ago that never blow. You should not loiter so. Nay, hush, said Laura. Nay, hush, my sister. I ate and ate my fill, yet my mouth waters still. Tomorrow night I will buy more. And kissed her. Have done with sorrow. I'll bring you plums tomorrow fresh on their mother twigs. Cherries worth getting. You cannot think what figs my teeth have met in. What melons icy coal piled on a dish of gold too huge for me to hold. What peaches with a velvet nap pellucid grapes without one seed. Odorous indeed must be the mead whereon they grow and pure the wave they drink. With lilies at the brim and sugar sweet their sap. Golden head by golden head, like two pigeons in one nest, folded in each other's wings, they lay down on their curtain bed. Like two blossoms on one stem, like two flakes of new-fallen snow, like two wands of ivory tipped with gold for awful kings. Moon and stars gazed in at them, wind sang to them lullaby. Lumbering owls forbore to fly, not a bat flapped to and fro round their rest. Cheek to cheek and breast to breast, locked together in one nest. Early in the morning, when the first crop crowed his warning, neat like bees as sweet and busy, Laura rose with Lizzie, fetched in honey, milked the cows, aired and set to right the house, kneaded cakes of white as wheat, cakes for dainty mouths to eat, next churn butter, whipped up cream, fed their poultry, sat and sewed, talked as modest maidens should, Lizzie with an open heart, Laura in an absent dream, one content, one sick in part, one warbling for the mere bright day's delight, one longing for the night. At length slow evening came, they went with pictures to the reedy brook, Lizzie most placid in her look, Laura most like a leaping flame, they drew the gurgling water from its deep. Lizzie plucked purple and rich golden flags, then turning homeward said, The sunset flushes those furthest loftiest crags, come Laura, not another maiden lags, no willful squirrel wags, the beasts and birds are fast asleep. But Laura loitered still among the rushes, and said the bank was steep, and said the hour was early still, the dew not fall, and the wind not chill, listening ever but not catching the customary cry, Come by, come by, with its iterated jingle of sugar-baited words, not for all her watching, once discerning even one goblin, racing, whisking, tumbling, hobbling, let alone the herds that used to trample along a glen, in groups or single of brisk-fruit merchantmen. Till Lizzie urged, Oh, Laura, come, I hear the fruit call, but I dare not look. You should not loiter longer at this brook. Come with me home. The stars rise, the moon bends her arc. Each glowworm winks her spark. Let us get home before the night grows dark, for clouds may gather, though this is summer weather. Put out the lights and drench us through, then if we lost our way, what should we do? Laura turned cold as stone to find her sister heard that cry alone, that goblin cry, Come buy our fruits, come buy! Must she then buy no more such dainty fruit? Must she no more such suckers pasture find? Gone deaf and blind, her tree of life drooped from the root. She said not one word in her heart's sore ache, but peering through the dimness, not discerning, trudged home, her pitcher dripping all the way. So crept to bed and lay silent till Lizzie slept. Then sat up in passionate yearning and gnashed her teeth for balk desire and wept as if her heart would break. Day after day, night after night, Laura kept watch in vain. In sullen silence of exceeding pain, she never caught again the goblin cry, Come boy, come boy! 
She never spied the goblin men hawking their fruits along the glen, but when the noon waxed bright, her hair grew thin and grey. She dwindled as the fair moon doth turn to swift decay and burn her fire away. One day, remembering her kernel stone, she set it by a wall that faced the south, dewed it with tears, hoped for a root, watched for a waxing shoot, but there came none. It never saw the sun, it never felt the trickling moisture run, while with sunk eyes and faded mouth she dreamed of melons, as a traveller sees false waves in desert drought with shade of leaf-crowned trees and burns the thirstier in the sandful breeze. She no more swept the house, tended the fowls or cows, fetched honey, kneaded cakes of wheat, brought water from the brook, but sat down listless in the chimney nook and would not eat. Tender Lizzie could not bear to watch her sister's cankerous care, yet not to share. She night and morning caught the goblin's cry, Come buy our orchard fruits! Come buy! Come buy! Beside the brook along the glen she heard the tramp of goblin men, the yoke and stir poor Laura could not hear, longed to buy fruit to comfort her but feared to pay too dear. She thought of Jeanie in her grave who should have been a bride, but who for joy's bride's hope to have fell sick and died in her gay prime in earliest winter time, with the first glazing rhyme, with the first snowfall of crisp winter time. Till Laura dwindling seemed knocking at death's door, then Lizzie weighed no more, better and worse. But put a silver penny in her purse, kissed Laura across the heath with clumps of firs at twilight, halted by the brook and for the first time in her life began to listen and look. Laughed every goblin when they spied her peeping, came towards her hobbling, flying, running, leaping, puffing and blowing, chuckling, clapping, crowing, clucking and gobbling, mopping and mowing, full of airs and graces, pulling wry faces, demure grimaces, cat-like and rat-like, rattle and wombat-like, snail-paced in a hurry, parrot-voiced and whistler, helter-skelter, hurry-scurry, chattering like magpies, fluttering like pigeons, gliding like fishes, hugged her and kissed her, squeezed and caressed her, stretched up their dishes, panniers and plates. Look at our apples, russet and done, bob at our cherries, bite at our peaches, citrons and dates, grapes for the asking, pears red with busking, out in the sun, plums on their twigs, pluck em and suck em, pomegranates figs. Good folk, said Lizzie, mindful of Jeanie, give me much and many. Held out her apron, tossed them her penny, nay, take a seat with us, honour and eat with us, they answered grinning. Our feast is but beginning, night yet is early, warm and dew pearly, wakeful and starry. Such fruits as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavour would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest with us, cheer you and rest with us. Thank you, said Lizzie, but one waits at home alone for me. So without further parlaying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits though much and many, give me back my silver penny I tossed you for a fee. They began to scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring, but visibly demurring, grunting and snarling. One called a proud, cross-grained, uncivil, their tones waxed loud. Their looks were evil, lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, mocking, tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the roots, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. White and golden Lizzie stood, like a lily in a flood, like a rock of blue-veined stone, lashed by tides obstreperously, like a beacon left alone in a hoary roaring sea, sending up a golden fire, like a fruit-crowned orange tree, white with blossoms honey-sweet, sore beset by wasp and bee, like a royal virgin town topped with gilded dome and spire, close beleaguered by a fleet mad to tug her standard down. One may lead a horse to water, twenty cannot make him drink. Though the goblins cuffed and caught her, coaxed and fought her, bullied and besought her, scratched her, pinched her black as ink, kicked and knocked her, mauled and mocked her, Lizzie uttered not a word, would not open lip from lip, lest they should cram a mouthful in, but laughed in heart to feel the drip of juice that syruped all her face, and lodged in dimples of her chin, and streaked her neck, which quaked like curd. At last the evil people, worn out by her resistance, flung back her penny, kick their fruit along whichever road they took, not leaving root or stone or shoot. Some writhed into the ground, some dived into the brook with ring and ripple, some scudded on the gale without a sound, some vanished in the distance. 
inner smart, ache, tingle. Lizzie went away, knew not was it night or day, sprang up the bank, tore through the furs, threaded copse and dingle, and heard her penny jingle bouncing in her purse. Its bounce was music to her ear. She ran and ran as if she feared some goblin man dogged her with jibe or curse or something worse. But not one goblin scurried after, nor was she pricked by fear. The kind heart made her windy paced and urged her home quite out of breath with haste and inward laughter. She cried, Laura, up the garden, did you miss me? Come and kiss me, never mind my bruises. Hug me, kiss me, suck my juices, squeeze from goblin fruits for you, goblin pulp and goblin dew. Eat me, drink me, love me, Laura, make much of me. For your sake I've braved the glen and had to do with goblin men. Laura started from her chair, flung her arms up in the air, clutched her hair. Lizzie, Lizzie, have you tasted for my sake the fruit forbidden? Must your light like mine be hidden? Your young life like mine be wasted, undone in mine undoing, and ruined in my ruin, thirsty, cankered, goblin-ridden. She clung about her sister, kissed and kissed and kissed her. Tears once again refreshed her shrunken eyes, dropping like rain. After long, sultry drought, shaking with anguish, fear and pain, she kissed and kissed her with a hungry mouth. Her lips began to scorch, that juice was wormwood to her tongue. She loathed the feast, writhing as one possessed, she leapt and sung, rent all her robe and wrung her hands in lamentable haste and beat her breast. Her locks streamed like the torch born, like a racer at full speed, or like the mane of horses in their flight, or like an eagle when she stems the light straight towards the sun, or like a caged thing freed, or like a flying flag when armies run. Swift fire spread through her veins, knocked to her heart, met the fire smouldering there and overbore its lesser flame. She gorged on bitterness without a name. Ah, fool, to choose such part of soul-consuming care, since failed in the mortal strife. Like the watchtower of a town which an earthquake shatters down, like a lightning-stricken mass, like a wind-uprooted tree spun about, like a foam-top waterspout cast headlong in the sea, she fell at last. Pleasure passed, and anguish passed. Is it death, or is it life? Life out of death. That night long, Lizzie watched by her, counted her pulse's flagging stir, felt for her breath, held water to her lips and cooled her face with tears and fanning leaves. But when the first birds chirped about their eaves, and early reapers plodded to the place of golden sheaves and dew-wet grass, bowed in the morning winds so brisk to pass, and new buds with new day opened of cup-like lilies on the stream, Laura awake as from a dream, laughed in the old innocent way, hugged Lizzie but not twice or thrice, her gleaming locks showed not one thread of grey, her breath was sweet as May, and light danced in her eyes. Days, weeks, months, years afterwards, when both were wives with children of their own, their mother hearts beset with fears, their lives bound up in tender lives. Laura would call the little ones and tell them of her early prime, those pleasant days long gone of not returning time would talk about the haunted glen, the wicked quaint fruit merchant men, their fruits like honey to the throat, but poison in the blood. Men sell not such in any town. Would tell them how her sister stood in deadly peril to do her good and win the fiery antidote. Then joining hands to little hands would bid them cling together. For there is no friend like a sister in calm or stormy weather to cheer one on the tedious way to fetch one if one goes astray, to lift one if one totters down, to strengthen whilst one stands. Love the control. Love the command. Love the space bar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM.
This is Radio Free Kinsley. Commemorations on the 75th anniversary of VE Day, or VE Night as my Nana Lancelot always called it, Boris Johnson treated us to his impression of Winston Churchill with a script by Ronnie Barker. Millions tuned in to watch the comedian perform his monologue on Sunday night. Ratings show that the number of viewers almost matched the numbers who watched the 1974 Markham and Wise Christmas special and exceeded the number of coronavirus tests carried out this month. The government revealed its plan for the next phase of lockdown. Afterwards, Hugh Edwards translated it for those of you who lost track during the first sentence. There is a new slogan for the hard of remembering. Stay alert. Um, go to work and somewhere else, which means stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. You can now return to work if you can't work at home, but don't use public transport or drive, or mix with those outside your own household, unless it's at work or in a shop. Shops will reopen at some point, although the government is yet to decide which ones. Primary schools will reopen at some point, for the remaining few weeks of the school year, but only certain year groups. Plans for how this may happen haven't yet been revealed, but will be in place by the end of the summer term. There are no plans as yet for other year groups, secondary schools, colleges or universities. Restrictions on exercise have been eased slightly, with people being encouraged to exercise more often outside, but only with members of their household. It is no longer illegal to sit on a park bench, although these remain closed to the general public. Fines for those breaking lockdown regulations will be increased in a bid to restart the economy. Plans to open the hospitality and leisure industry were vaguely mentioned. There was renewed hope for the peace process in Northern Ireland yesterday as the DUP, Sinn Féin and even the Popular Front of Judea came together to dismiss Westminster's plans and stick to the stay-at-home etc. message. Scotland, Wales and the Labour Party also agreed to ignore Westminster to ensure unity in three of the four nations of the United Kingdom, underlining the government's One Nation Under a Groove policy, which was unveiled at the election last December. And the weather. In line with lockdown, it will be sunny but cloudy, dry but wet, cold but warm indefinitely. And everywhere you go, always take the weather with you, but not on public transport or in a car. Stay alert, stay cool and shit. Anyone done one of those mashup videos of Boris doing Candy Statton's You Got the Love? They should. It'd be very appropriate for him. And now on Radio Free Kinsley... Here's our Sheffield correspondent, Ray Globe, to tell us about that new normal we keep hearing about on the Twitter. Another day in lockdown. The world spins in reverse. The existential meltdown just keeps on getting worse. Down at the supermarket, there's fear behind the smiles. Discord at the deli counter, scuffles in the aisles. Survival of the quickest, who think they're being shrewd. 
trolleys full of toilet rolls and no room left for food Is this the calm before the storm or the lull before the lull? Like a wet weekend in Withensee or a Wednesday night in Hull They're queuing on the pavement, they're queuing at the door Some people queuing in the queue, not sure what they're queuing for Social isolation, I've mastered the technique Now oldies hour up, wait rose is the highlight of the week The only time the doorbell rings its sad ironic chime It's for Tesco Home Delivery or Amazon Bloody Prime It's not the calm before the storm, it's the lull before the lull Like a wet weekend in Withensee, then a Wednesday night in Hull Banged up in Birmingham, in solitary in Speak Where every day is Sunday and there's eight days every week In a topsy-turvy turnaround, now touching is taboo Cos if I see you and you see me You could see me in ICU Keep a social distance To keep your tissues dry Keep up your resistance Stay at home or die I'm sick of the anxiety And yearn for something dull Like a wet weekend in Withensee Or a Wednesday night in Hull The streets are full of nothing The TV's full of grief The ship of state is listing and about to hit a reef. Geography is history, your sat-nav is defunct. Wanderlust frustrated, your travel plans all junked. Arriva dirty Roma, Alveda Zane Berlin. So long New York City, will we ever meet again? When this whole thing's over, I'll never mock the pull. Of a wet weekend in Withensee or a Wednesday night in Hull. Welcome back to Radio Free Kinsley, where fetid, sweaty dreams happen all the time. Now we're going to hear from our Scotland correspondent, Molly Weird. Wednesday. Over the last few days, we've seen some interesting developments. I was intrigued to note that having a massive party and doing a conga down the street is okay. Having more than ten people at a funeral isn't. Presumably, doing a conga at a funeral would make it permissible, although it may affect the solemnity of the occasion. Admittedly, there may be some people wearing black lace as well as listening to him. As always, you can spot an arsehole by their interest in Union Jacks. Patriotism really is the last refuge of the scoundrel. And that of twats, although I see no reason to provide a refuge for twats. They can stay in the shed like that guy I bought off the gypsies. There's going to be an app to trace your every movement and contact and immediately report it to a centralised government authority. I doubt this could be misused in any way, and I'm an idiot. It's apparently a way of defeating the virus by copying Germany. East Germany in 1981. Boris spoke to the nation tonight. Well, I say spoke. He coughed up one salad like someone receiving the Heimlich manoeuvre from Dominic Cummins. We have to return to work while simultaneously no going to work. He's shrouding his twat. Any experiment is irrevocably changed by the introduction of Boris Johnson and no for the better. He does for clarity what Jeremy Corbyn did for the Labour Party. Nicola S was impressive today and could only really have shown more contempt if she'd changed the Scottish flag to a picture of Boris's face with a skid mark on it. Boris has introduced a new scale for measuring when lockdown restrictions can be reduced. It ranges from five, you are going to die, 
to one. I am going to feast on your corpse. But angry rather than amusing in tone tonight, but unsatirizable events will do that. Is it me? Are other rules around social distancing very hard to understand? I do my best at staying away from undesirable riffraff, pimps, drug addicts, people from Comnet, but I still have to clamber over Tesco workers as though they're poorly paid furniture. I coughed in one's face the other day and he didn't even react. He was dead. Lockdown restrictions are set to be reduced from Monday. Soon we'll be able to exercise as many times as we want. It's a bit like being told you can eat all the corn you want. Keir Starmer had his first PMQs against Boris Johnson today. It was like watching a reanimated corpse interview a haystack. Boris was his usual self, like a sex offender being asked about his hard drive. This is a guy who can't count his own children being asked to count past 30,000. Imagine having hair like that and you don't blame it on the barber's being shot. He models himself on Churchill, an alcoholic, imperialist, racist, responsible for mass murder. So everything's fine. People seem to be drinking heavily during lockdown. It's no good for you, but if you're Scottish, you need to maintain a routine. Delirium tremens is a real risk as the lizards under my skin are eating my walls. So, another day ends, or possibly begins, I'm not sure. Anyone fancy a tequila? Good night all, and get back to your work. This week, it's Fissile Freddy's a frickly Friday flipping frenzy, shoveling out more shit than junior ministers forced out at gunpoint every tea time so the PM can hide in a fridge. This week only, exclusive to Fissile Freddy's a frickly, I silk underpants. Come again? I silk underpants, you heard. Pants in lockdown hot sticky torture, knackers hotter than a teacher's leaving do at a curry house, scrotum screaming louder than when you're forced to watch Comet Relief. Well, our Australian-designed, California-engineered, Italian-style strategic flex pants feature a rhombus vent design that makes heat just go away. How's that then? Lots of little yellow arrows in the video, that's how. They made a bamboo which you think can chafe a bit, but never mind. Only 14 a pair, plus 10 guineas for delivery, seeing as we're leaving the EU. Also, this week at Pissar Fraser Frickley, the world's first Australian-designed, all-purpose, packable, strategic, biocomponent, waterproof, fast-wicking, smart-designed, Italian-style, sustainable, stretchy, lockdown lifestyle, lockdown-friendly, rhombus rent, world's first, California State, primary Austins, travel weekend or weekday shorts. Did we mention Australia somewhere? Can't remember. Anyway, these Australian-designed action strategic bamboo flex leisure shorts have an hidden zip pocket so clever you'd be lucky to find it, let alone use it. Made entirely of a revolutionary cutting-edge Silicon Valley, recyclable, high-impact, low-carbon footprint, bamboo viscose, pure hybrid, static-free, penty-penty-penty-penty propylene with a thoughtfully designed waistband just for you, blubber boy. We've also got an online ad where some daft twat sprints along a jetty and dives headfirst in the sea for reasons we can't fathom. Did we mention Australia? Also, in the video, all these hands keep pulling sideways on them from out of shot like it's one of Michael Barrymore's pool parties. Only $24.50, plus inheritance tax, discount for cash. Oh no, I forgot. Anyway, just send money, now! And now on Radio Free Kinsley, it's time for some more late, very local news from our resident clairvoyant, Pasha Taylor. Here is the very local news. Inspired by Nightingale Hospitals being built in a week, him from next door but one right has redone his paths and patio in just two days. People keep remarking on how nice it is to be able to hear the birds singing. I can barely hear them above the sound of lawnmowers, power tools and kids. On VE day, I ate victory rolls and obeyed the lockdown, watching the footage of the original celebrations on the internet and thinking how far we've come. Thank the Lord we didn't succumb to fascism, eh? Millions have enjoyed the recent sunshine with garden barbecues. Bibbles enjoyed the free takeaways. He brought a slice of pizza, cheese and tomato, some unidentified meat, possibly schnook, or mock duck, 
and uh, also a kebab still on the skewer and a rat mm. at least it makes a change from the worms sorry snakes that he usually brings in Brexit Bill from over the back continues to fly his Union Jack upside down in honour of VE Day, the NHS and the new heir to the throne, Wilfred Churchill de Faffel Johnson. A little ray of hope in an uncertain world. In other news, it has been revealed that caustic soda is not only vegan, but effectively removes the staining at the bottom of the toilet. I now have to wear sunglasses to check that Mr Brown has left the U-bend. <laughs> Preparations are underway in the kitchen for the return of Premier League cat ball. Treacle is training hard with the ball in between sleeping for hours and grooming herself. She's been out on the deck in sunbathing from dawn until the early dusk, building up her vitamin D reserves like the stereotypical German on a sun lounger. Bibbles is focusing on his strength and reflexes with tree and fence climbing exercises. Sports commentators are looking forward to seeing how the different training regimes will affect play. And the weather? There'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover. And we'll meet again some sunny day. And now it's time for the prologue. Here at Radio Free Kinsley... Despite being committed to the overthrow of the capitalist military-industrial complex, we like to edge our bets and keep an open mind on the royal family just in case anybody wants to give us one of them awards. So, we dispatched our resident poet, Pasha Taylor, to see what it might be like if John Cooper Clarke finally went the last step to selling out and became Poet Laureate. Happy birthday, Queen. Many years you've been our Queen. You've opened buildings, you've been abroad. I'll bet you have never been bored. Let me be your subject you can boss about. Let me be the subject you'll be unemployed without. I don't want to be a Republican. I want to be yours. Let me be your silken tight £70 a pair. Let me be your tiara on sparkling your hair. At Balmoral I'll be your monk. Go to sea I'll be your boat. I don't want to be a Republican. I want to be yours. Let me be your bodyguard, protect you from the crowd. Let me be your red carpet, that would make me proud. Let me be your limousine, I would always be pristine. I don't want to be a Republican, I want to be yours. Love the cases, love the clauses, love the adverbs and the antecedents, love the words. From ELFM. Traveling here below 
my home. Been a long time traveling here below. Do.